does is catch the football. That's, that is beautiful. That's why I came to West Virginia, man. Ding dong, the witch is dead in Arizona. The totally energized Heinz Field, the power of the Renegade song. The backyard brawl, man, against Pitt. Look at that. Oh, there's Russ Wolfley. Wow! They came after Donovan McNabb, went after him. They played to win the game. Everybody's going bonkers, even the referees. Oh, those, those look like the sticky gloves right there. We talk about 50-50. Right now it's 50-50. Who's going to get it? Game came with cover zero. Man across the board. Pick up a flag because, hey, and then with the Renegade song, even flags don't count. They're going to get an Italian army behind them right there, just like Franco Harris. My goodness, that is pure guts. Give me a pepperoni roll, man. Hello, and welcome to the Three Wolves of Football. The boys from Orchard Park, the Outsiders. I'm the Wolfman, Dale Wolfley, and these are my two brothers. We'll start off here with eldest brother, of course, and that would be Craig uh, Derry. Uh, how are you tonight? Doing fabulous. Absolutely yeah. fabulous, bro. All right. I can see the energy that popped up up there Ready in Pittsburgh. Up there in Pittsburgh, PA. And, of course, Pony Boy Ronnie Paul down there in Arizona, Phoenix. What's happening there, brother? Not a whole lot. Uh, I'm ready, though, right now. I mean, honestly, it's it's midweek, is it not, of course? And, um, you know, this is a big work day. For those teams that are in the Super Bowl right now, this was a big work day. The next couple of days going to be big work days. So um, I'm getting jacked up for this one. I love the fact that Super Bowl 57 looms, does it not? Yes, it does. And speaking of looming, all season long, there's been one thing that's been looming, and that's been Brother Derry's missing tooth. And uh, we found out that he said in February, the beginning of February, he was going to start the process of healing it and getting amended. What happened there, brother? Oh, man, I rolled into the office at 7 o'clock in the morning. Think about it. You don't even have your cup of joe. You don't have your game face on. You're just kind of like rolling out of bed. Get to it. You go in there, and before I know it, they got me back there, and they got like you know, you hear the drill going, and then then you can feel go after because I didn't go with the you know getting gassed, you know, and taking it out. I just said no, give me a local, right? I'm gonna tough it up. I'm gonna do some breathing. I'm gonna do some other like that. About halfway through, I'm like going, get Zooks, get it out of here. <laughs> So the process is they drilled a hole there in your gums? Oh, up into the gum, man, into the bone. They got to go and they got to set this piece up there so that after it heals, like after three months, you, you can go in there, you can put the fake one in, you know, and then, you know, you're all set. But, I mean, get zooks, man. Let me tell you something. When that drill starts going, you know, when you hear it, and all of a sudden it's in your tooth and the part of the tooth that's left, oh, man. That is a whole new uh, yeah. like a, a launch into into pain, man. Yeah. Okay. The only thing worse than that is getting a shot underneath your toenail. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> that happened to me, man. I can't. I've had it. They jammed it. They jammed it. You've had that. They laid. I told you about arm. when Lambert came in when I got the the uh, the ingrown toenail clipped. Oh. Remember, he comes yeah. in and they're clamping it, and they shot it in two places, and it was killing me. Right, yeah. and he's go- cutting through it, 
And I'm, I'm, I'm going, Doc, hey, Doc, that, I can feel that. I can feel it. And all of a sudden, Lambert walked into the, to the training room, right? He's looking over the doctor's shoulder. He goes, go ahead, scream. Go ahead, scream, scream, scream. You know, I'm like, no. That was <laughs> we, brutal. Just brutal. We, we were talking about that right there. Had Derek and our 340 pounds, he laid across my lap as I was sitting up. I was up, he laid across my lap. The yeah. doc says, we've got to immobilize this thing. And he comes in and he basically was like, look, there goes Elvis. And I was like, where? And he, <laughs> let me tell you guys, for three seconds, man, your world unfolds, oh. man, for three seconds. And Derek Kennard was laughing hysterically. <laughs> The only, the only good thing I'll say about that was there was plenty of jelly with Derek there. <laughs> it was a it was like a big throw pillow on you. <laughs> DK was the best man. Where are we going, Soda Bob? It was oh, great. Yeah. We're going this way. Good news, my brothers, and the news is that we are now the three wolves of football, the boys from Orchard Park, the Outsiders. We are on Spotify. Uh, probably, you know, the, the largest uh, podcast platform in the world. And we got your big uglies on there. And, uh, of course, my good looks. And, and, and we're doing the three wolves. So it's a really positive thing. We're on Anchor. We're on Podbean. We're on Arizona Sports. We're on uh, Google Play. We're on Apple. I mean, we are out there. And not only that, you know, we, I don't even know if you guys know this because you paid no attention to me whatsoever. But <laughs> we are actually, we do live streaming on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. I mean, I don't even know if you guys, we got the Three Wolves of Football channel on YouTube channel. I, you probably don't even know that. But so now what's, you do. Let me ask you this What's YouTube? Yeah. Stop. I know you know okay. What it is. What's Gucci? All right. Oh no. Let's not go back there. So, anyways, it's good news. We got some more good news. Keep coming up. It's good things are rolling. So, the bottom line, my brothers, is you haven't sucked yet. All right. <laughs> and we're going to continue with that conversation. And of course, it is some good news, and we're very grateful for. It. And, you know, the one thing I wanted to get at with you guys is we were talking about what's Gucci, who's Gucci, or but he's like, right. what's a jabroni? All right? And he's like, well, you're like, oh, that's a wrestling. You probably, well, you came up with that. Yeah. Well, oh, my goodness. So what a jabroni is, he said, that Travis Kelsey said off of the rock, and it was off of the Iron Sheik originally comes from, and it's the jobbers, those dudes that you can just go ahead and pummel and beat as they're there. They're called, they called the jobbers. And that he saw Captain Lou That was pain and insane. That was my buddy Blake. Right. Uh, and myself, that was uh, Johnny the Snake was the manager. All right, Johnny the Snake. <laughs> and then he had Captain Lou Battle. We had that show. That was our beginning. I'm sorry for the bad uh, video, but all my videos got ruined in, in the, the garage and stuff. So that was back when it was all VHS and all that. But the idea being is those were jabronis. Those are guys that you just toss around. You do whatever. You don't really hold off. You don't pull it. Okay, you're actually, those knees are going in there, man. And, and they, they loved it. So, anyways. Uh, so, then, what that think? means, if we go by that definition, when you two guys were, like, little, like 10 and, and 14 and stuff like that, you were my jabronis. <laughs> I got the beat up <laughs> on you both. <laughs> and, and the Wilson brothers. 
Uh, oh, yes. Because yes. they, you guys were all, especially me. I mean, my gosh, man, you, I don't think you guys even liked me back then. But, you know, <laughs> we're crying all out loud. Oh, I, I know you did. And, uh, I, I thought that was pretty good there. Uh, what's a jabroni? Well, that's a jabroni. It's not a pepperoni roll, but they are jobbers. And uh, they, those guys loved it. They love getting in there. You know, and don't forget, you know, when we're in there and someone comes up, you got to talk pig Latin. You know, no, you can't talk right. straight up. You know, you got to talk is. You know what I mean? And if you want to say, you put an is before the vowel. You, you know what I mean? So if you said reason, that's wrong. Or crazy. <laughs> okay, and that's how we talk. I can say, barely speak Eng- English. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Big laughs. That's awesome. You know what? The, you know what? Sort of. I'm glad you did that, though. Yeah, I'm glad you explained what a jabroni is because I, I promise you. There are people out there who didn't get what Travis Kelsey was saying, like me. But it's a jabroni. And to, to actually have the definition of it, that it's a jobber in the wrestling world, I think that is that's cool, man. Yeah. We, we educated somebody this week. Well, I think that was the whole purpose of why I did that. And even though the video quality sucked, which my standards are usually much better, uh, but we, the only video I had... <laughs> We saw Captain Lou Albano, too. I mean, Captain Lou, man. Yeah, I mean, he was hanging out with Cindy Lauper, right? Yeah, with the rubber bands in his beard. (laughs) (laughs) All right, we're going to get this back to football, but that was the jabronis. But you know what? Honestly, uh, it's a big week going on. The Cardinals got so much going on. But the one thing I did want to get at, Pony Boy, that was A.J. Green, great player for 12 years in the league. when retired this uh, offseason here at the beginning of the season. A jump ball to A.J. Green, and how about this? The Cardinals, less than a minute into the game, have the lead. you got to be kidding me, David. I cannot even believe what I just saw. The throwback. The pitch throwback to David Blau, and David Blau throws the ball down the field to a covered A.J. Green, who high points the ball and somehow, some way, gets into the end. What a great play by A.J. Green. And, you know, before you talk, let me just add here. He had 727 passes for 10,514 yards, 70 touchdowns in 158 games. Ten years with the Bengals, known as one of the great receivers of the Bengals. Two years there with the Cardinals, but uh, you know he's a factor, man. That's another another big receiver. I think that was a loss. Yeah, you know, listen, um, he didn't have a great year this year. I think AJ right. Green would be the first one to tell you that. Uh, last year, he had almost 900 yards receiving. Stop and think about that. AJ Green, at his age, the great Hall of Fame. I believe he's a Hall of Fame player. Uh, had almost 900 yards receiving last year um he really was at that point in time a good pickup but it's if you ask cardinal fans i think cardinal fans for the most part would tell you there's one lasting memory and it and it really sucks buttermilk and it's not fair but it was when the wheels started to fall off not this year of course but last year when the cardinals struggled going down the stretch as they did for two seasons in a row um, struggled in the second half of the season and didn't finish strong. It really started on that Thursday night game where the Arizona Cardinals were playing the Green Bay Packers. That's where D Hop got hurt in that game, and that's where the wheels started to come off again. Not this season, but last season, of course. 
and it, it they had an opportunity to win the game and AJ Green on a fade it looked like Kyler Murray thought it was going to be a back shoulder fade didn't turn around and look for the ball he just kept running and it was inside I believe it was inside the 15 again. it was on the 10 yard line somewhere in there and it just really stinks that that's going to be a lasting memory for Cardinal fans when he didn't turn around because suddenly they lost that game and that kind of started the whole slide in the second half of the season and ultimately the slide this year uh, many people tied to last year and how they finished and um, A.J. Green was right in the middle of that, and I think it ultimately got Cliff Kingsbury as well. You know, A.J. Green, man, I saw so many of his games as a rookie with the Bengals and all through the years, the decade that he was with them. The guy was a monster, just a monster with big catch radius. I mean, long limb guy, but he was strong. I was surprised how he and Ike Taylor used to go at it, man, like, you know, because Ike Taylor was a very strong dude and very fast. Yeah. Well, Ike didn't get many interceptions. He got a lot of PBUs, and he was an excellent defensive back. And uh, the battles those two used to have, man, they were something. Hmm. Well, I'm going to tell you something, Pony Boy. I don't care about what he just said. I was a fan of A.J. Green, and he had uh, 700 plus receptions. And I I'm love A.J. No, no, I'm kidding with you, brother. Yeah. Uh, I'm just telling you this. Uh, and it's tough to have that when you've had such an outstanding career. But I do believe he's going to be a Hall of Famer as well, man. I'm, yeah. Yeah, you know, I do. And obviously with the Bengals, I mean, he really is considered one of the top Bengals receivers of all time. I think even more than Ocho. Uh, you know what I mean? If, if you want to get that way, I'm not going to get into that. I'm not going to debate that. But I will debate this because this right here is something I really uh, I can't believe. So obviously, you know, Keith Hawkins once again he's been sending all this film. The brawl last week with you, Pony. You know, the Steelers stuff with you, Craig, on special teams. He just keeps sending me this, and again, I'm not questioning it because I don't want it to end. And, and this right here, you got this tape, and it's really funny because. He actually sent me about three clips, which I'll save for future episodes. But this one clip here is you, uh, Derry, getting a little bit feisty here with the Kansas City Chiefs. But the one thing I want to point out is this, that I've seen this look from you before. And I'm going to tell you that story when we get done watching the video. But I have seen it, and it wasn't on this field. And I'm going to move on and go ahead and play it. score and a successful conversion put Pittsburgh ahead 19 to 10. And yet still the Steelers were a little surly towards their opponents. Order was soon restored. Okay, brother. And the reason why I'm going to say that, I was looking at it, I'm like, yeah, you know, he was being a little ticked off right there. But I remember when I was probably 13 or 23, probably two or three years in the NFL, and you were going to take me to a movie back in Orchard oh, no. Park. And I was off jagging around somewhere, doing what a stupid 13-year-old is doing, out in the neighborhood, getting in trouble. And you were looking for me, and I, I saw you come out of our end of our street and turn right. You couldn't see me. I was at an angle. And you drove down the road, and you stopped in the middle of the street because I think I was waving or whatever. You stopped. And you didn't realize the car was behind you, and they stopped. And the dude gave you a signal of like, hey, 
you know, right here, man. And you got out of that car, and the dude and his girlfriend shrunk into the car. When he started Nothing walking, happened. And he started walking. You came out. You're, you're jacked up. That's the look in your eye. Oh. And so I, I actually hid from you for about 10 more minutes until I knew you'd cool off. But that right there is the look I saw. It was the same look you had for me and for that uh, girl and the boyfriend who, who gave you the message with his finger. Uh, you came out and they just shrunk in their car and they couldn't get away from you. But you handled it okay at the end. Well, you know, uh, regrets there, but uh, <laughs> when somebody is flashing you the "Hey, you're number one" sign in the in your rearview mirror with vehemence, um, it kind of ticked me off a little. So, anyhow, um, it was your fault because we were supposed to go to the Dead Gum movie and I couldn't find you. And I'm sitting there going, we're late, we're going. And then it was it was the uh, the Sword of the Barbarian. It was the, the worst movie ever created in the history of movie dumb, right? I mean, it was awful. Yeah, you know what? That was something else. And I think about that. That look, man, I'll tell you, that was scary. That was, that was for thirteen year old seeing his brother oh. go down, and you were all, like you were had a tank top on or something, <laughs> and, <laughs> you know. And it was just, and in fact, I remember you actually threw the car in park before you hit the brake. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. You know what? All right. Okay, <laughs> moving along. Nothing to see here. It was no, let me fun. just say this. Let me just say this quickly right here. Um, you know, on that note right there. Um. Every time I hear somebody swear, like, you know, use the F word in particular, I, I think they want to go. <laughs> I correlate the F word immediately <laughs> with fans. And you all know what fans would say to you. And you, you we've all experienced that. I correlate it with, with fans and also being screamed at by your coach, <laughs> calling you all sorts of things, right? The, the way they used to. That was hard coaching right there. And I, I equate that whenever I hear somebody in a casual conversation dropping F-bombs, I, I, I immediately, the hair on the back of my neck stands up, and it's like, you want to go? <laughs> you know, Better be careful. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's okay, because we won't talk about your past history and transgressions, at least, not, at least not in this episode. It'll come out too. little by little. <laughs> it will come out. Don't worry. We, we, we know. We know. Next. All right. Next, all right. Next is this. Uh, you're going to love this because this is Tom Brady saying that the game has changed and that everything is protected, and he doesn't think it's fair. Football that's changed over the years, which I think is really hard for someone like me who's played a long time to watch, is like there it's not being taught the right way. Like a quarterback should only throw the ball to certain places because your receiver is in danger of getting hit. For example, when I used to play against Ray Lewis, mm -hmm. I wouldn't throw the ball to the middle of the field because he would he he'd go after you and he would hit like and we didn't always have the biggest receivers but he would hit him and knock him out of the game mm -hmm. and now any every hard hit is a penalty on the defense so I feel mm -hmm. like they penalize defensive players for offensive mistakes mm -hmm. so like if a quarterback I was watching the Chicago Bear game <laughs> the, the, quarter, the quarterback like messes up doesn't see the blitzer. And, or the line screws up. I don't know what happened. The quarterback or the line on offense, the defensive player comes in and hits him hard, and they throw a flag on the defense. So they've almost moved the protection of your opponent to you as opposed to 
where it should be, which is on yourself. Like if you're a quarterback, you got to protect yourself and your players. It shouldn't be the responsibility of your opponent to protect the stake. So in the end, I think it's a really disservice oh God, to the sport because yeah. the sport isn't being played at a high level mm-hmm. like I, I believe that it once was. Oh, my goodness. Is that Tom Brady that every time he gets touched when he goes down is absolutely throwing his hand up to the ref saying that's a late hit? I'll say this. Tom is spot on in, in his. Uh, he is spot on. Yeah, and what he's talking about. And it, you know what? I, I understand. When you're the GOAT, when you play well, the referees tend to back you up. I've noticed that over the years. When you're a hot, highfalutin player and everything else. The fact of the matter is, when all this started, roughly, what was it, 2011 or something, when James Harrison uh, splatted Muhammad Massacoy against the, the Browns years ago, and that started all this fallout of you know the big fines and everything else and the and the culture of football began to change and i understand you want to make it um as as safety conscious as possible but you cannot rule out every sort of injury uh factor in the nfl it just simply can't the game will not be held to that it can't be yeah you know i i feel exactly the same way i you know first of all tom brady what he said is right on the money it is. Uh, quarterbacks have got to shoulder the responsibility as well as to where they throw their guy. We hear it all the time. He threw him open, right? The term, he threw him open. Um, you know, I think a quarterback has got to be able to do that. Um, how defensive players play anymore in the National Football League, I have no idea. I, I, it's just, it's incredible especially when in pursuit of a quarterback. A quarterback tucks the ball, he runs. You know, we know how much coaches value that now. A quarterback that can actually create and take the ball and run himself and um, cause some damage. And yet you got to come up and you got to determine whether that quarterback is going to slide or whether he's going to try to go for the first run. I I mean, how do you decipher that as a defensive player? I, I don't know. Finally, and I'll say this, um, for Tom to say that, it is kind of ironic, is it not? Just because of how many times Tom Brady gets a lot of, or did get a lot of roughing the passer penalties called against him because he complained a lot and worked the referees and the officials. But having said that, that's every quarterback's prerogative. Yeah, I think it's every quarterback's prerogative. I just don't know if anybody's was the goat at it, just like he said, the goat of everything else. <laughs> okay, He was the goat of complaining to the refs, of working to the refs. I don't care what you say. I thought it was funny that he said that. I, I told you, I, I totally agree with what he said, and I even liked what he said about leaving the passes open. But the fact is, come on, man. Uh, nobody's well, benefited you know, more. Nobody's been more benefited more for the change of rules than Tom Brady. Sure, and and that's part of the adjustment he's made as a quarterback. He's adjusted to the rules. You know, the thing about it is, I go back to when you know James Harrison again. James would say, "You throw a crossing route to a receiver who's running right at me." You know, basically, he's got his eyes. He's looking at the. And what are you supposed to do? You know, I mean, you sit down there and you got to hit the guy. But at the same time, I, it's just incredible, like Ronnie said, what they expect the defensive guys to do. When you have this explosive capabilities, in defensively speaking, and being able to come up and put hits on people, then all of a sudden, and you've, you're taught from you know 
grade school up about hitting and so forth. And then all of a sudden, this culture is changing and making a complete 180. And now it's about the non-intersecting lines of force. Toblin talking about that way back years ago uh, when he was explaining the cover two area underneath and how the intersecting lines of force could create those big catastrophic uh, you know, uh, collisions and how he, he had to coach to avoid that. And, he, and I remember him saying, I can't even believe it. I'm, I have to address this. Mm. Yeah, you want a huge collision on the football field? Just go ahead and run power. Get in the eye and run power and have Carl Banks, the guy that's over the tight end. You want a collision? We'll get a collision. Google it, my young crunks. Carl Banks. <laughs> well, I'm going to tell you, I'm on this quarterback thing this week because it's kind of funny and I kind of like it. So check out what Mr. Trent Dilfer said on 30, uh, 30 ESPN Sports. It was the Baltimore Bullies. The modern day game does not impress me. It's super easy when you don't get hit as a quarterback and when you can't reroute receivers and when you can't hit guys across the middle. I love Tom Brady. I love Aaron Rodgers. I love these guys. It's not impressive. What's impressive is what they did. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So, okay. So, listen, he's got a, there's been a lot of throwback at him for that, saying that, you know, the playoffs haven't been the greatest, you know, going, you know, first, second to last second, you, you know, on a rope, uh, all the stuff that's going on. But he just said what Tom Brady just said. So, who's right or who's wrong or who's in the difference? Who's he talking to? What crowd was that? That was the ball. He pointed out said, what's impressive is what you're doing. What's, who's that? Well, the Ravens back then it was a thirty for thirty. It was the Baltimore Ravens called Baltimore Bullies, and it was the it was the Ray Lewis type age where they went ahead. That was him. And the saying is that the old rules, okay, that was impressive. And so what Tom Brady was saying is, yeah, this. And he said, I love Tom Brady. I love Aaron Rodgers. Well, you're now you're Trent Dilfer, and yes, you've had some success, but you're not one of the great great ones. And you're throwing down that. I mean, it's there seems to be quite a controversy brewing is what I'm trying to showcase here. Yeah, well, you know, um, let me just say that I, I think what he was really trying to say as well was that the guys that are playing in today's NFL, that's what is really impressive, right? Because they have to play under these rules where you could you could play back then and just have at it. Is that the way you guys are reading that? No. no I got it that he no. was saying that the throwback guys were impressive and that today's people, quarterbacks and so forth, aren't, aren't so impressive because the physical physic, physicality of the game has been lessened. Is it, is okay, so who was he pointing at when he said, this is, this, you guys are impressive? That was the Ravens team that he was talking to and that that's what I have. That's all I got. The throwback guys. The throwback okay. guys. Meaning yeah. is that those guys, I'm telling you. So you got Tom Brady saying this uh, out here, and then you got Trent Dilfer coming out saying, well, you know, Aaron Rodgers wasn't in prison as impressive. That's, you don't impress me, Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers doesn't impress you. Yeah. I, <laughs> that's what I'm not getting at, is, is that this is really wild, and there's, there's something going on here. I think that some people better probably figure out pretty soon. You know, you got to get your buddy who keeps sending films in to get that clip of Joe Turkey Jones throwing Terry Bradshaw on his head, and then and then kind of compare that to what what transpires as roughing the passer today. 
And then, you know, go back, find Joe Cap, right? But we're all in agreement. Find Bobby Douglas. Yeah. Roman Gabriel, what those guys went through. And then tell me that the NFL today is, is, you know, um, is a harder hitting business for the court. It's not. It's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, but we're all in agreement that, again, you know, you have to you have to do something to protect the quarterbacks a little, right? We, we're all in agreement on that. Right. Yeah, right. but again, last week we talked about the actual the foul. We had, yeah. I, I showed you clips right. of some right. guys getting whacked and killed, and while other guys like Tom Brady gets tackled for with the ball in his head, and, and he just gets down, like the, the greedy is. Thing. I mean, it's it's so up and down. There's no this. There's no continuity. There's yeah. no you know definition of absolutely this. I mean, for crying out loud! Last week I showed you a sack uh, yeah. with the with the Chiefs guy and Carr, the, the the Raiders, and the car fumbled the ball and they called it too hard of a hit when he hit him just in the shoulder yeah. pad. I mean, it, yeah. because he landed on top of him. See, I, I know, but and that's a fumble. But that, that's crazy. Yeah, but to me, once again, the the quarterback and roughing the quarterback, they got to do something about it. I'm with you on that 100%. But that's not football to me. You know, football is position players teeing off on each other and wailing each other. That, to me, is what football is really all about. When you think of the physicality of the game, the thing we loved, guys, the essence of the game was mono mono it was collision. It was full speed. And I'm going to try to not only do my job, but embarrass you in the process. I mean, that's the game of football. That's the essence of the game of football. Now, how many times I got embarrassed on the football field? Pick me first. We, okay. we, we, he who has not been chained on the football field. You know. But, you know, again, I worry more about what's going on in the field between position players and the way they're – they're really going overboard in terms, I think, of protecting. Um, okay, so the position. rerouting. He's talking rerouting of uh, defensive Right, backs. you can't redirect like you back in the day. You, you know, I mean, I've talked to Mel Blunt. You know the Mel Blunt rule. He, yep. Mel Blunt was the reason they brought the, the, the no uh, only five-yard contact rule. You know what I mean? Mel told me, he goes, I walk around today, and he says, I feel like I, all the young cornerbacks are pointing at me, and they're saying, that's the dude that ruined it for us. <laughs> I, I honestly think that there is going to be at some point in time, they're already talking about an, unne- an unnecessary roughness penalty flag where somebody hits somebody too hard when he didn't have to. Oh. You know, I, I'm, I, I'm just saying. It's, well, it's already it's, here. What are you talking about? Pardon? It's already here in the quarterback. Well, well, okay, but again, I'm talking about out on the field between position yeah. players, not just roughing the passer. You know, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I think I, I, I mean, don't look at a quarterback. This is just me. There are a few <laughs> quarterbacks in the league. Josh Allen would be Exhibit A. Lamar Jackson as well. That are really football players. They are football players. I look at a quarterback more as a a quarterback, and that's no offense to him whatsoever. But I, I don't I don't think a quarterback is sitting there thinking about how physical he's going to be and how much damage he's going to have to endure. I don't think I don't think of a quarterback preparing himself for that as much as you would prepare yourself to go out and say I've got to I've got to ISO that guy. Now all of a sudden you're talking about a whole different level of intensity 
All right. Very good discussion, my brothers. Uh, I'm not sure if we're done with it. Uh, I think they, I think we'll they have to go out. Yeah, I think there's going to be some more talks about that. But something, hey, I, I just got on this quarterback kick. I thought it was funny that Tom Brady uh, was talking about, you know, the game changing that he's not the one who benefited from it, number one. Number two, I thought it was funny that Trent Dilfer's say he's not impressed with Tom Brady nor Aaron Rodgers. And this topped it off for me <laughs> right here. Russell Wilson had a personal coach, Jake Heaps, in the building with access who wasn't on the staff. Yeah, I'm not too familiar with that. How do you feel about um, players having their own people off the staff in the building access to the players? Yeah, that's foreign to me. That That's not going to take place here. I mean, I, I'm, I'm unfamiliar with it, but our staff will be here, our players will be here, and that'll be it. <laughs> Sean Payton going to the Broncos. Russell Wilson, I did not know this, but he had his own coach that had his own access to the whole uh, Denver Broncos locker room that was a, his own personal coach that he paid uh, on his own dime and would go in there and talk to him about being a quarterback. And no wonder why the head coach got canned in one year. What in the world is that? Do you, you see Sean Payton's, like, what are you talking about? Exactly. You know, one of the things that I found so crazy is, first of all, back in the day, when I came to the Steelers, there was no strength coach. All right, Chuck Knoll basically was a strength coach. All right, he, he was a de facto strength coach. So then after a period of years, um, they hired John Kolb, who, of course, you know, was a great legendary offensive lineman, became um, a strength coach there. Uh, he was, you know, well, let's face it, he was in the world's strongest man, won the NFL's strongest man one year. Um, fabulous, fabulous Hall of Honor recipient, everything. As a matter of fact, that's his his uh, his charity organization that I'm representing here, Adventures in Training Purpose, yes. <laughs> but, you know, the, the fact was, um, then we we came on to, you know, get a, a, strength coach, a strength coach, and then it rolled on from there, and the Steelers, you know, have hired over the years. And now I see some players hire their own strength coaches when you've got perfectly great strength coaches that, that are associated with the team on the team's payroll, and they're bringing in their own guys. And I, I'm mm. like, I don't, I don't understand it. You know I mean? Why would you go outside? I know that uh, you get a lot of strength coaches, some personal coaches that are capable of, of helping you. But to, do, to go that far, I, I just think you're, you're asking for problems. Bonnie? Yeah, you know, I agree with what uh, Craig is saying right there. It's just, to me, it's a um, – it is a mercenary league. We know that, and it's one of the biggest mercenary leagues on the face of the planet, and it's occupied by mercenaries. And um, I know that you go to the highest bidder, um, yet at the same time, once you walk inside of those, those walls – and you're in their facility building, I think you ought to be a good teammate, go about your business. I think there's a lot of guys out there who feel entitled, guys that feel like, I. It's hey, listen, I need to have my guy come in here because I am such a mercenary. I'm only here for a year. I signed a one-year contract with you. Whatever it may be, it's just wrong-headed. It is completely. You can't think that way when you play in the NFL. I'm sorry, you can't. Because if you if you if you allow one guy to bring his personal coach in and walk around with him, you're gonna have to allow two guys. 
and then you're going to have to allow three, and then you're going to have to allow everybody. Can you imagine 45 guys, 50 guys, 55 guys walking around with their personal coach inside your locker room? What a joke that would be. The culture, and that's what Sean Payton was setting right there, was culture. When he said, hey, listen, um, that's not going to happen here. And that's something that I think the new coach, even for the Arizona Cardinals, is going to have to come in and say the exact same thing. We're not going to do this. We're going to do it this way. And you're going to practice this way. This is what we're going to do. And that, of course, will be in conjunction with Monty Austinforth, the general manager, as well. But culture is going to dictate what happens in a lot of places. And I think Sean Payton was trying to set that culture immediately. Yeah, well, I also kind of thought he was ready to just start laughing. Uh, and I'd be good to say, that's not gonna, you know who I am? I'm Sean Payton. And not that I'm some great guy, but I know how to coach football in the NFL. And no dude's going to tell me what quarterback is going to be my coach or whatever. I'm sorry. You're not going to win with that wet dude in the room. And speaking of which, lately, this week in Super Bowl row, that Terry Bradshaw came out and said that Sean Payton had some reservations about taking the Cardinals job because of Kyler Murray. Can we say that, Pony? Well, um, you know, I, I wondered how in the world did Terry Bradshaw get the okay or feel like he he could actually comment on what Sean Payton told him. I, I was really, really surprised by that right now. You know what? Can I just tell you this, guys, personally for me? Um, Kyler Murray gets a lot of flack and catches a lot of flack. He really does. He's a very talented guy, but we all know that Kyler Murray, there's a narrative out there about Kyler Murray, and um, that narrative is not going away. And I like the fact that the narrative is out there because I think it's going to force real change in Kyler Murray. I don't know about you guys, but we're competitors. We are. Craig, you're a competitor. Dale, you're a competitor. We're we're competitors through and through. And um, although I'm not caught up in trying to prove anyone wrong, I am caught up a little bit in trying to prove myself right. And because of that, if if the narrative was out there about one of us, that you, you didn't work hard at your job, that you didn't prepare the way that you should, that um, you only care about yourself. There's a narrative that is out there that I don't think is necessarily true about Kyler Murray, yet it gets continued to be perpetuated. You know, at some point in time, if you're a competitor, you're going to say that's enough, right? You're going to say that's enough, and you're going to try to go out and do something about the narrative surrounding you. Once again, not maybe to prove everyone else wrong, but to prove yourself right. And I think Kyler Murray's going to have an awful lot of time to think about this stuff, getting ready for next year. And I hope, guys, I hope it burns a hole, metaphorically speaking, into his heart. And then he says, you know, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to go out and I'm going to prepare to try to destroy the narrative that is out there about me. If you're a competitor and you think that narrative is incorrect, you're going to try to do something about it, right or wrong, boys. Yeah, I would say yes, and I'm saying I sure hope so. And if you were going to question me what Terry Bradshaw thinks, I don't think even Terry could answer that question about what Terry Bradshaw's thinking because that guy's been a loose cannon for how many years. 
Oh, Brad, that's just Brad just stirring the the juice a little bit, man. I mean, you know, it is what it is. Well, I, I, you know, Terry is who he is, and, and God love him. I love him as well. I mean, he's just a great guy and everything. But, but you know, he will come up and say some things that you just go, where did that come from? Okay. <laughs> Well, it was interesting because, again, I, I was thinking of Sean Payton, and I wonder what Sean Payton's thinking. You know, Terry, yep. what are you doing going out? I think of the law of the locker room, guys. Uh, you know, I don't, even today, if a player tells me something, I, I'm not going to say what that player told me at oh, absolutely. all. Absolutely. It's just, it, it's even if he's retired, uh, you know, it's, it's the law of the locker room, and I just wonder if Sean called Brad after that and said, hey, Terry, what are you, what are you doing? Or maybe um, the next interview, <laughs> whoa. Yeah. You know. Hey, well, whatever it is, whatever. But I just thought it was interesting. I thought it needed to be you know, something to be thought about because I want Kyler Murray to be successful. I've seen him be successful. I saw last year he was not. And I want to see him back again because he's too good of an athlete. I think actually too good of a person to actually be under that type of narrative. Actually, part of the problem is just what you stated there. So I'm serious. Think about it. He's too good of an athlete. That's part of the problem. He is such a great athlete that he can always rely on his athleticism to get him yeah. out of a hot spot. And sometimes you tend to fall to your strength too much. And then all of a sudden you've got issues because you don't really, you know, it's kind of like, you know, early in my career, I was heavy into powerlifting and heavy into things, yeah. you know, world's strongest man, NFL strongest man. And that was that was part and parcel of who I was and my strength. Then, you know, it, it kind of put a, a, a little bit of a problem with my, my technique for a while because I didn't rely, like, on the pass protection punch as much as I should have because I, I'd punch lockout and just use my strength in close quarter combat, right? Well, then later on, as you get older – you know, it, you might have wanted to pay a little more attention to your punching technique, pass protection-wise, <laughs> that sort of thing. You know, because you rely too much on your God-given whatever it is attribute. It sometimes can retard your progress in other ways. And so, like, Pony Boy was saying, maybe he'll reevaluate and, <laughs> and go with <laughs> some more circumference uh, talents that he has. <laughs> Instead of his great natural ability. Okay, we're going to, we killed that one to death. But listen, I'm going to tell you, I want everybody to know I'm a Cardinals fan. I'm rooting for Kyler Murray. So I don't want to hear that any crap out of anybody, including you, Paul <laughs> All right? All right. So the next way to, thing way is, to cover your bases there. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm serious about that. Because I have the same way about Kenny Pickett, and he's a pet dude. Yeah. All right? All right. So I take my hands for that. Yeah, exactly. But you be kidding me. This one here is, uh, I was really, I was going to kick out a whole bunch of stuff. I got a kick out of this. Uh, Deion Sanders, is he old school or is he a old fool? We're going to outwork him. We're going to outrecruit him. We're going to outscout him. We're going to outdevelop him. We're going to get our education. We're going to graduate these young men. These young men are going to be on campus respectful and considerate and kind, opening doors for you and making sure everything is copacetic. And they're going to say, yes, sir, no, sir, yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am, or they're going to have to deal with me. That's just the way I father. That's the way I parent. That's the way I coach. I'm old school. Sometimes I may look like an old fool, but I'm just old school. Tony, boy, you spoke first. Go ahead. No, I, I love that. You know, um, listen, he's, he's laying down the expectation 
when you play for Colorado. This is going to be the expectation right there. And again, we talk so much about it, guys, on this show, but it's the right thing to do. Culture matters. And he's trying to lay down the culture of this is the kind of player we're going to recruit. This is the kind of player we're going to bring in. The, the, the tough part about it is sticking to everything that you're saying right there. You know, it's easy to say this is going to be our culture and this is the guy that we're going to look for and this is, this is who we're going to be as a team. It's easy to say it. It's another thing to actually do it. So I love the fact Dion is saying it. I endorse him 100% on that and agree with so much of what he said. Maybe, maybe 100% of it, as a matter of fact. But it's something else to actually do it. You know, you're exactly right, Ron. And I think Dion is right on. That's setting the culture. Who set the culture in our house? Dad, no, yeah. right? Okay. Yeah. I remember when I was 14 or so, and I had a little, uh, I don't know, got maybe the testosterone starts building up a little. And I remember coming to the house, and I smarted off to Hoopy, right? I did something. I don't know what it was. but And I remember Mom going, her eyes got big, and she went like this. And stupidly, I roll on and, and double down on my stupidness, right? And then all of a sudden, Mom goes like this, and you hear this, you gotta be kidding me! Like the voice of thunder coming from the upstairs, right? And it's dad. She was trying to tell me dad's home, which normally in the afternoon he wasn't home, but this day he was home. And I remember the thunderous footsteps, boom, 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 coming down. And I remember he turned the corner, and there was like mad dog eyes looking at me, man. I mean, this is like, you know, eyes that you'd see later on on game day. Right. He grabbed me by the shirt. And I remember he slammed me up against, you know, the brick wall, you know, that was right there by the kitchen. Right. He slammed me up in against his wall. And I remember going chink by chink down the bricks as he's lowering <laughs> me to the ground. And he just ripped me a new one, man. And I'm telling you what, that was setting the tone right there. OK, now I'm not saying this is what Dion's got to do or anything like that. He is right now expressively setting the culture, setting the tone for his expectations, and I think it's a great breath of fresh air. Yeah. All right. I think because when you adhere to a discipline with a you have a peak performer, you have your lead sled dog guy named Dion Sanders who's fully capable of doing those things. You know what? I, you you got a great opportunity to experience a trajectory adjustment in your life like you'd never see again. And this is a great hope for those young men because when yeah. you fall under discipline early, even says it in the Bible that if you fall under discipline early, it's mm-hmm. a great thing for a young man. Yep. Also, yeah. too, God disciplines those that he loves as right. a father disciplines a son, so he disciplines us. Yeah. Well, I guess then that's the model. Around, right? <laughs> that is the model. I want to tell you something. I yearn to open a door for an old couple. Uh, I yearn to open a door for a woman. I yearn to open a door for someone that's been having a bad day. I yearn for that. I, I yearn for others. The more I see that awfulness out there right now yeah. and this, this stupid culture that we have of I, the stupid culture of right. me. I yearn 
Yeah. I'm saying it. To see and listen to Dion say that. And I'll tell yeah. you what, because what Dion just said probably wasn't only about three quarters of what's said at West Point and what's said at the military places in the military. Right, because right. that's the discipline you need to survive and to keep your partner alive in right. a time of war. Let me, I'm, I'm sorry, I don't mean to, to take all this time, but one more example. The, the, the culture center in our home. We're going into the Blaisdell Gospel Chapel, right? Prayer meeting like. So dad holds open the door. I proceed to go through, right? Ahead of Hoopy. <laughs> Boom. You know, I mean, you talk about stopping in your tracks. I'm going through the door. I can see the Wilson brothers and Terry Stife and all those guys. Around. I'm waving to them like this. And all of a sudden, I come out at twice the speed I went in, okay? <laughs> I come back out like this. And dad's got me by the scruff, you know? And I'm like, ah. And he goes, don't you ever walk in front of your mother again, or any woman for that matter. And I remember that to this day, and still to this day. Yeah. I, you will find me yeah. making sure my boys, you know, open the door and do all those stuff. But, I mean, that's how we were raised, fellas. Yes, it was. And, you know, I remember getting kicked right in the can. For the very same reason, Craig, and it was at church as well, and it was at church again. It, it just, um, I love it, man. The older I get now, uh, I think you guys uh, would probably agree, but the older I get, man, the more I look back on it and love the fact that I had all these, um, I, I had all Life these lessons. things, discipline uh, variables that were in our paradigm that I knew what they were because of dad and because of mom and because of how they raised us. And what was great about it, guys, like a huge circle, everything inside those parameters were yours. You know, you could, you could just totally, it, it, you could expand your mind and imagine everything, but you knew where the limits were, which filled you with confidence mm -hmm. because you knew where the limits were. That, that yeah. discipline is what's beautiful. It's not something that's restrictive. It's something mm -hmm. that opens up your mind once you realize these are parameters and everything in here belongs to me. I love that. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And just to finish that last spot, when I got in there, the boys were going, where'd you go? You came in and you were gone. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, well, life lesson time there, fellas. <laughs> yeah, there's no doubt. And that, and for no other reason, is why I want to see Deion Sanders succeed. For yeah. no other reason, that is why I'm his biggest fan and his biggest cheer. Okay, fellas, it's that time. It's Super Bowl week. And that means that it's your pain. You are professional broadcasters. You've been around. Pony Boy, you've been in the down in NFL row this week, I believe, uh, seeing what's going on. What are your picks? And just break it down for us real quick. Uh, give a couple minutes. Break it down. Okay. Let me just say this quickly right now. I have no idea who's going to win. I really don't. I, I don't I don't like making predictions. I don't. Uh, educated though they may be, I don't like it because too many people bang on their chest when they get it right and then ignore it when they get it wrong. <laughs> you know what I mean? And for me, I just want to see a good game. When I, when I think of the Super Bowl, I want to see – 
a good game, man. I want to see a contested fourth quarter. I want to see both teams being in the game in the fourth quarter. I think of the matchups in this game, the very first thing I think of, the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes and his ability to throw the ball against the number one pass defense in the National Football League with the best pass rush in the National Football League and the best secondary in the National Football League. Number one in passing yards per game allowed, number one in passing yards per play allowed. They are incredible, the Philadelphia Eagles. What is going to happen when you get the immovable object and the unstoppable force coming together? Those two, I cannot wait to see that. Pat Mahomes and their ability to throw the ball against that Eagles defense and their pass rush. And then, of course, flip it over, the Philadelphia Eagles' ability to run the ball against the Kansas City Chiefs. Their Achilles heel defensively in the past has always been the rush defense. Not so much this year as it has been in the past, but it's still, in my opinion, their weakness. And they're going against a team that runs the ball very, very well a team that moves the ball very well. Jalen Hurts against Pat Mahomes. What's going to happen? I don't know, but I'm hoping for a good game, man, and I think we're going to get it. You know, I agree with all the points, and you're, you're exactly right. And I'm, I'm as a prognosticator, I have a fine future as, as a father, okay? <laughs> That's it. Just a dad. The point is, all those things are true. And I always go back to when I, I see a time like this, and you see – a guy like Pat Mahomes and a guy like Jalen Hurts, right? This is Jalen's first go in the Super Bowl. Now, I always go back to Troy Aikman. When I remember Troy was talking about his first Super Bowl, and he said his his biggest fear was that his knees, when he was being introduced pregame in the intros, that his knees would buckle when he ran out on the field, okay? Now, I, rem- I, I haven't played in the Super Bowl. The closest I got was an AFC championship game that we lost to Miami. I mm-hmm. broadcast three Super Bowls. Ronnie, you were there for one of them. And I always remember Super Bowl Forty. Big Ben had trouble in that game. Didn't play as well as he could, unlike the other two games when he played so very well. I mean, in comparison. You know what I mean? And I remember I, there was some discussion at the time, him talking about the enormous pressure. And I remember Super Bowl Forty in Detroit. Now, here I am on the sidelines. I ain't going anywhere near the playing field. That game, when they kicked off, I could feel what Troy Aikman was talking about, how it was unlike anything he had experienced before. I wonder if this is going to be something that Jalen Hurts might have to get over, that hurdle of making sure that you're not overwhelmed by the enormity of the moment and that you're ready to go. Otherwise, you know, this is a, this is a, a great matchup of two teams who have yeah. a lot of similarities. And I look at it, you know, quite possibly that the deciding factor could be the experience of Mahomes over Hurts. What about you, Soda Pop? Well, I would say that the first thing I was really impressed with, uh, talk about getting over that moment, I thought The Rock did a great job last year. Because <laughs> out there in front of a billion people, he's doing The Rock. <laughs> that was just beautiful, man. That's number one. Number two is, listen, it comes down to offensive line here, offensive line. The big dudes for the Philadelphia Eagles are going to pound it out. The Eagles have lost one game this season. Pat Mahomes, I, I 
bet against them before and I've lost. I don't know why I'm doing it, but I'm going with the Eagles because of the offensive line. I believe in them, and I really think they're on a mission. And you know what? Got to tell you, man, I do love Philly cheesesteaks. And with that being said, my brothers, great job tonight. I love you very much. You know, say good night to Hoopy. Love you, Hoopy. Good night, Hoopy. You know what we need? We need a a a something out there that says Hoopy is our mother, so that they understand. If you just tune in, you know, we we need some sort of uh, you know graphic that says, "Hey, Hoopy is our mom." All right, so and she watches it. Folks, she watches it over and over and over. That's and why our numbers are so good. That's yeah. right. <laughs> and not only that, too, you should know this about her right now. If you're if you're watching this, this is uh this is a woman who's eighty five years old, gonna be eighty six, I believe, in April. Yes, eighty six in April, who could get in a three point stance and fire off the ball with a flat back better than most offensive linemen. I'm just Boom. Yep. There's no doubt about it. That's a great that's a great visual there, Pony Boy. I thank you. And you know what? There's nothing like it. I'm going to say it real quick. Mom used to do that with my friends and tell me on Friday nights what I did wrong. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> she used to correct me on Friday nights right after the game, before she let us out. She would correct me in front of my friends and say, you didn't come off the ball. You were soft here. You were this, yeah. that. You know, that's what she did. So, anyway, all right. God bless. Love you, man. And we are out of here tonight. Episode 22 in the books. Love you, brothers. Love you, bros.